0: Hello everybody, welcome to this first part of our very special 2021 predictions podcast. This was originally just going to be a single-parter, but there was so much discussion between so many of our members that we decided to split it up into multiple parts. So please do enjoy this, the first part of our 2021 predictions piece. So I think it's probably fair to say that 2020 hasn't quite been the year that a lot of us envisaged. And if we'd asked this question way back at the start of the year, you know, what's to come over the next 12 months, I think probably 100% of our predictions would be wrong. Hopefully, we're going to get back to normal next year, though, or at least as normal as we possibly can make it, while also carrying forward the best of what the best lessons that we've learned from 2020. So I'm the editor of the Drum Network, Chris Sutcliffe, and I'm joined by two fantastic guests to go through our predictions for 2021. So Pete, could you introduce yourself, please?
1: I'm Pete Ballard. Um, I'm co-founder of Full which is an experienced design um, specialist uh, agency uh, now owned by uh, Zenzar Technology um, Services and Digital Transformation Company. And so I also wear the hat of uh, uh, EMEA Marketing Director for Zenzar.
0: Perfect. And Andrew?
2: Hi there, I'm Andrew Dunbar. I'm the General Manager for Appnovation EMEA, and we're uh, an up-and-coming digital consultancy. Fantastic. Well, you know, as I mentioned
0: in the introduction, probably not the year that we would have hoped for. But Andrew, I wondered if you could maybe take us through some of the trends that you've seen emerge over this year that you're sort of I suppose that book that that negativity that really you hope are carried forward into twenty twenty one.
2: Yeah, do you know what? It's been an interesting year and I think we've we've had the obvious challenges. That
0: is, that is an understatement.
2: Yeah. Uh, we, we have had the obvious challenges sort of coming out at the end of last year, particularly in Europe, and then starting with, with this year with everything that's been going on uh, worldwide. And I think it has had an interesting business impact in that there's been a lot of just nervousness around where is business going and and what do we need to do to react to change with the times. But what we've seen is some quite interesting things coming out of it and some quite good things i think we can celebrate Mm. Um, and i'll I'll pick up on a couple of them but it's 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 quite a big conversation so i'm really pleased to be doing this um the first one jumps out is i think we've got a lot more local in our, our field i think prior to really the start of this year everybody was about this big celebration of uh, epic moments in, in in time both personally and, and and for business that were going on and trying to almost sort of bragging rights about things that are going on personally. I've been on this big holiday or I've achieved this massive thing with work. And I think we've we've all got a little bit more centered this mm. year and a little bit a little bit more focused on the local community around us and our family and smaller wins become more important. So I think our, our behaviour is sort of what have been sort of international travellers engaging with people all over the world has has become a lot more introverted, and that's led to some interesting behavioural changes.
0: I was gonna say I was gonna say introverted there when I was gonna you know do the segue into uh, to Pete's answer, but that's really interesting. You think that we're now celebrating success, but on a slightly smaller scale. It's not that we're completely unaware of all the big issues that are happening. It's just that
2: we're we're taking wins where we can find them effectively. I think, yeah, and I think we're being grateful for what we've got. It certainly brings home. Um, you don't notice what you've got until you lose it. And the ability to connect <laughs> with people around the world certainly has been made much more difficult. And I know I'm. Uh, we took for granted the fact, well, we do things like, the, like this podcast, like Zoom calls. Well, we've got the technology. It's easy to do. But actually, it's not. And when you're spending your day after day, all day on a Zoom call, you start to realize, actually, it's quite draining. It's quite hard. So we learn ways of interacting. We learn ways of, of talking to each other. And we learn ways of interacting with our customers and helping for us, helping our customers, customers engage with the brands in different ways.
0: Yeah, certainly. I, th- I think there's a, a, an awful lot of opportunity around that that area, particularly because you don't even realize what you're going to miss until you do miss it. No, I'm. I can't quite believe that I started getting nostalgic for the commute, but I did. So, <laughs> Pete, then what have been some of those trends that you have um, that you've observed emerge over the course of this year that you're actually quite optimistic about being carried forward?
1: Yeah, I, I think I uh, agree with Andrew um, that that move to local, which I think was is potentially part of a wider of a, <laughs> understanding the importance of the human. and and perhaps you know humanity so I think what what I hope some of the most interesting things and and some of the positive things that probably came out of this year were were kind of that uh, out of adversity Mm. focusing on how how do we serve some people better you know a number of companies worked out how to get their product to market directly into the hands of the consumer who may well have been b2b businesses before mm. so there, were, there was quite a lot of work for the good of if you like, humanity uh, uh, and also kind of a focus on humans I, I i particularly like you know even some of this technology that we're all getting used to using now you know, zoom and that's really about connecting humans with humans yeah and, and, I, and I, I do think that that is a trend that will continue you know i, I think there's some interesting aspects to, to do with the whole working from home um there's been some positives from that but there's also some things that need to be fixed and uh, and some of those things are again about getting a bit of humanity back into business and agencies and the way that we work
0: yeah certainly Um, i think there has been as you said kind of this rediscovery of of empathy not just as a marketing tool but as kind of this fundamental uh, aspect of communication
1: absolutely yeah
0: do you think that's what i mean i suppose it's just because everyone found themselves in. Un, uh, kind of this unsure environment, and w- we had things you know like clap- clapping for the a- NHS being brought to the fore. Really, you know, being told to consider other people's feelings. Do you think that's something that will continue once we do go back to whatever normality looks like next year?
1: I, I would like to think it does because I think um, it it's made a lot of people think about that, and mm. and I see you know, kind of in. In the design world, you know, I I think it's helped us as designers think about who we're designing for, you know, perhaps a lot more carefully, and and also maybe you know making sure that we're much more inclusive in our design. So I, I do think there's been some lessons learned this year, which which will be taken into the work of the next few years.
0: Good, fantastic. Almost the, the slimming of silver, the slimmest of silver linings, but at least it's there. <laughs> So
1: yeah, yeah, I and mean, yeah, actually, you know, I, I think one of the most exciting things about twenty twenty. I said, don't get me wrong. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot wrong with twenty twenty, but but from a business point of view, I do find it quite energising. You know how much creativity and and innovation has gone into solving kind of solving challenges, it, it, the speed at which companies worked out how to do things differently or new, and the speed at which they brought those. If you like to market yeah, Com- companies aren't going to want to give that up <laughs> you know they then they, they, they they've learned some things about how to perhaps act with a bit a bit less bureaucracy i mean right from you know government initiatives through to everything's been done super fast mm. um and i think where that's been done well, we're not going to want to go back to the old way of doing things.
0: No, certainly not. And Andrew, Pete mentioned a couple of things there, you know, whether that is kind of this new uh, D2C approach from a lot of B2B companies or whether that's this kind of uptake of tech that really allows for more rapid communication and more rapid creativity. So what are your own plans to really capitalize on those trends?
2: Yeah, and I'll, I'll echo um, Peter's thoughts because I think that that idea and that aspiration to become more human in your communication is a very worthy one. And we're certainly seeing it uh, materialise through the interactions we have with the brands that we represent. Mm. And I think part of part of the reason for that is that we see the consumer base shifting towards more value-based purchases. So where you might have, pre-COVID times, had a lot more drive towards brands which were aspirational or um, certainly positioned as uh, a celebratory in terms of the brand themselves. Now we see people making more decisions based on um, shared value sets. So mm-hmm. making decisions around lifestyle positioning, and given what we've seen in this year around all the move towards and and, and really the lifting of topics like um, social equality and diversity and 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 the racial challenges we've had in, at various points throughout the year. I think there's a real drive for people to say, actually, I can choose where I shop. I can mm. choose where my money goes and the power behind it. So so in terms of our plans, to so answer your question, um, we're looking to find ways that we can bring our clients closer to, um, to, to their customer base. And w- we put a lot of emphasis on data science, and we put a lot of emphasis on deep user research behind everything we do. Before we start doing design-led thinking or technology architecture and build, we really start with a really deep dive Uh, into the user and we've seen that um, give us more and more success we've had a couple of recent projects for people like Alpro for Bridgestone that have done really well I think I think in in sort of the counterpart to that or maybe it's an extension of that is what we're seeing in terms of automation and where people are still looking for that human interaction but is there a chance that we can Uh, use conversational AI Mm. to um, leverage technology to still give that feel and still give that um, sense of connection to a a real person or or at least something that that feels natural whilst sort of broadening the reach, broadening the capability that the brand has. And I find that area very interesting. Yeah, Yeah. certainly. Are there any brands who you think are doing that particularly well? I think it's early stages at the moment. Mm. I think you see a lot of people, and it's almost like an uncanny value effect, that if you get it even (laughs) slightly wrong, then... You create a lot of frustration, you create a lot of of challenges. But there are things, I mean, even in sort of fields like healthcare, you see um, uh, ways that people can use really simple um, AI to do things like book doctor's appointments or to check in when you get to the the GP surgeries. And it doesn't have to be big, um, flashy uses of AI. It can actually be quite simple stuff. And as long as you understand the user journey and actually how Peter says, how that human wants to solve their problem... Then I think you can't go far wrong. It's when you start trying to reach beyond that and and trying to solve problems from the business perspective. I think that's when you get into difficulty. Mm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and Pete, then from foolproof's perspective, which of those trends are you really looking to? I suppose capitalise is the wrong word, but sort of really take advantage of to uh, I suppose galvanise anything that you've you've had planned for years before. You know, how are you going to take advantage of this these trends going forward?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's a there's, There's perhaps an an internal one and an external one, or internal answer and an external answer. Internally, I I think it's going to be really interesting how we, we're probably going to change our view of how we use our physical properties in in the agency. So we've got a London office, a Norwich office, a Singapore office. And those offices, I think the nature of how we use those Mm. will change. And and also, that knocks into our our kind of talent acquisition. So, suddenly, the net is is wider. With it being pretty successful for for people to have a bit of a, I think people in the future will have a mix of working from home and and a mix of working. In the office, it'll be far more flexibility allowed. I, I think. I think. I think we won't see a complete move to um, home working because mm-hmm. I think there are some very notable shortcomings in that. Uh, it it'll perhaps take longer to emerge because they're more to do with culture and um, kind of idea generation, that collaboration. You know, there are some. There are some brilliant tools that have helped with that, but, but the, nothing really beats kind of getting together. Um, but I think it if you like that idea that you you know you should only apply for a job that you're going to commute to five days a week I I think that's not necessarily yeah yeah, that that may have gone forever yeah so so it it certainly kind of widens the geographical net when looking for talent uh which is which is quite exciting I think externally from a client's point of view we're putting quite a lot of emphasis on meeting this kind of need for speed but I think for a while now but having been you're very much at the you know forefront of y- 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 championing including users and including the the, you know, the human that's going to use the technology in the design process so so, so being very kind of research driven or insight driven in, in our in our design one of the things we've observed over the last few years is that that speed didn't always lead to a good result mm. you know, speed, speed was like sometimes just a quick way of getting to the wrong answer <laughs> um and so we, we yeah being someone who only concentrated vaguely in physics back at school but we, we tend to talk about velocity because that's speed with direction and yeah I think w- when you when you align speed with the the, the, the processes and the, the, the principles that tend to head, keep you headed in the right direction well this idea of kind of velocity so delivering the right thing at speed it, it is is, is something that we think is going to be quite powerful and, you know, meet the needs of clients in the next year or two.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've, you've preempted so much of what I wanted to to ask next, but the, <laughs> I, I love that analogy of going sort of uh, you know, fast, but towards the wrong destination. It reminds me of <laughs> a couple of years ago, me and my girlfriend were in Venice and we were trying to find our way somewhere and we knew that we were going to get lost at some point. So she just wanted to get on the first bus that arrived on the basis that we may as well get lost sooner Quickly. and just try and get it over with. So, uh, I mean, Andrew, I just wondered maybe if we could if we could dive slightly deeper into what Peter's just spoken about there. You talks around some of the cultural touch points that we've had this year. But do you feel like having uh, this kind of this this new flexibility, which has almost been forced upon us? I don't quite know what the situation's like at Abnovation, but... Does this broaden the talent pool in a way that will actually develop, you know, deliver some real tangible change for what the marketing industry will look like in 2021 and beyond?
2: I think we're certainly seeing an evolution. And I think it's about treating our team members as humans as much as we try and treat our our customers' customers as humans. It's about realizing that we don't have a collection of robots who work together and, and churn out like a production line and end product at the end of the day. We have a collection of individuals who have very different personal situations and very different personal needs. And that celebration of diversity of team is what leads to a great product. So there's a lot of talk about um, what the new normal is. And, and then in the second breath, and we'll go back to normal <laughs> when the vaccines hit. And I, I find that um, slightly um, misset. Yeah, that yeah. I, th- I think we're going to somewhere different. And as Peter says, I don't think it's going to be a case where we move to a model where it's all home working from now on. We sit in our little bubbles and we interact through the internet and that's the only social interaction we have. I don't see that at all, but I do see, and I want to touch on something that Peter said, I do see the 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 need to define the purpose of the the office, the shared space that we have. And, and what does that look like going forwards? And I see a, a real opportunity for us to use that space as a great creative war room or discovery center or design lab, if you like, mm-hmm. where we, we bring people into the office to get together for a specific purpose and we create, create an environment that is designed specifically to suit that purpose. We get away from the old ideas of having banks of desks because we need people to be in the office to prove that they're there. Otherwise, who knows if they're working or not? Yeah, I think yeah. we, we've learned through this that we can trust our teams. They're smart, motivated people <laughs> yeah. who are here for a reason because they want to change the world. And I think that um, that drive is down to us as, as employers to um, provide the right environment, the right vehicle to let them do that.
0: See, I think that's fascinating, the idea that it's, uh, I suppose it's it's, a, a focusing of an idea, rather than you know the the reinvention of something. The idea that the office always had this specific purpose, but it was almost um, perverted by that need to to prove that you were present. You kind of that that presenteeism. Uh, so I just wondered if you could maybe go into slightly more depth on what that new office environment might look like, particularly some, from the sort of tech and agency perspective.
2: Yeah. OK. Um, so we quite regularly do things like um, discovery um, phases. I'm sure a lot of people uh, go through discovery processes for a client where you've you've had a brief. You want to understand um, how does that brief really translate into a powerful, creative or technical output. So we get into a room and we thrash it out through a series of workshops, through a series of design exercises and brainstorming exercises. Uh, we get to a point where we have a blueprint for design going forwards. So given that, and given that's a core part of what we do, how can we build a space that really supports that? And it means, for me, having rooms which are set up with that in mind. So we're not trying to cannibalise a space which is also a a, a webinar space or also somewhere where someone works and wants some quiet time. Actually, we have fit-for-purpose design spaces which are targeted to, to do exactly that. And then we also balance it with areas where someone wants some, some heads down, quiet time that they can work. They, they have the ability to do that as well. But we also need to appreciate that. And I think the thing we've really learned over the last sort of eight, nine months is that actually we're social creatures yeah. and that we work better together than we ever do when we're separated by um, distance. So actually, when we're in a room together and we're talking, we need to protect that and, and encourage that, because I think that's how some of the best ideas come up. Yeah,
0: definitely. We we've had we've run a number of like drum network uh remote events, which have always been we've always been quite clear that it's a stopgap. You know, the idea is that we always get people in together because, you know, when you're in person, it can often feel less formal, chats flow more freely. There is that discovery aspect, like you said. Um, but one of the things that consistently came up was the idea that you have to recognize that your workers and your peers are social creatures just as much as you are that you know you can't just turn them on and off when you, you know, go home at 5 p.m so it's it's really heartening to hear i think that that's something that you you believe is going to be carried forward into 2021 the idea that we can't just exist as islands we have to be you know joined together like that um,
2: absolutely and i think there's a large fear that people are going to want to come back to the office but actually um, we've been at innovation we've been quite cautious in protecting our team making sure that our the health of the team is, is behind the health of the company so we've been largely working from home since March um and we've made it work we're set up to do that but I have a team that's champing at the bit to get back at, <laughs> and work with each other in the same space in the same room so I'm very yeah. cognizant of that
0: how's that how's that track with what you've seen
2: internally peter yeah bit,
1: very similar it, uh, it's it's ironic isn't it i, I, I i've I've always you know, in some ways, I think this is knowledge that's been in the company or, you know, in, in all of these places, but we haven't we haven't been able to see it for what it is, because I, I, I think it's ironic that some of the most valuable spaces that we have in our offices are the spaces that then get squeezed if we recruit another 10 people. You know, mm. it, it becomes, as Andrew was saying, the office kind of almost becomes as though its purpose is to house you know, 100 people working. But actually, the most value-generating places are those where um, either project space, where you you just they're the right environments to think or get a group of people working together, collaborate. But I think the other thing, the other, I I think that it's it's those, um, it's where serendipity happens. So the, the, the serendipitous meetings, the accidental bumping into a couple of colleagues talking about something you're working on and getting an idea, you know, from a completely random part of the business it's that i suppose you know cliche would be to call that the water cooler moments they're really important and and i think they're really important from a human interaction point of view and, and making the experience rich but they're also quite often quite value valuable and that's that's the th- thing that i think technology the working from home technology has not has not provided an answer to um yeah. so i uh, like andrew i think i think we'll completely re configure our office spaces to to prioritize those areas rather than you know think about them as needing to house everybody that we have working God, so we I, can, you know, I, really, I really hope so
0: yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll never forgive a previous place where i used to work when they got rid of the table tennis table to put another bank of desks in, just... <laughs> heartbreaking and uh, i'm i'm quite interested to ask this next question to both of you because i suspect that you'll both come at it from very different angles um andrew you mentioned before that there have been a lot of cultural flashpoints around sort of racial inequality and sort of big social upheavals that have been going on and i think that for the most part we've seen brands respond quite appropriately this year there has been a lot of empathy there has been a lot of understanding there has been a lot of not just box ticking going on so as we move into 2021, do we think that brands have finally, not to throw Pepsi under the bus, but finally learned that the value of appealing to kind of a wider audience is actually having that empathy and isn't just cottoning onto a social trend for the sake of doing so? Andrew, I wondered if you could begin with that, please.
2: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, good topic. Um, I think uh, first and foremost, it's about a, a right to play that you have to consider. Um, and I think... Um, I think Pepsi's right is arguable. I think there is, a, there is a, a conversation there. I think maybe they went about it in slightly the wrong way. Um, there's an example of BP as well, where they're talking about oh, carbon yeah, footprints. Um, and we're just thinking, well, maybe that's not the best topic for you to address, um, given your own carbon footprint. But... Um, I think like i say right to play and i think it's about understanding that your customers buy for a reason Uh, and sometimes it's convenience and sometimes it's it's aspirations Uh, but more and more it's shifting to to people making a decision because they share the values that you have so you're not preaching at them you're showing that you're on the journey with them you're in the same place you believe the same things and so it's natural for them to um, form part of that community Mm -hmm. and um I'll give you an example of one we've done, which was with Alpro, where we shifted their positioning from being an alternative product to actually more lifestyle and a genuine choice that matches your lifestyle and your value. And that led through into the content, the tone of voice, the imagery. Mm. Um, so it, it's a very active decision to say, look, we're not going to try and be something we're not. We're not going to try and tap into something that happens to be the, the hot topic of the time, the zeitgeist of the current month. Um, we're actually doing something that's genuine. And that, that feeling of of honesty and that that genuine um tie to values that you're not only talking about but actually showing in your action i think people pick it pick up on that and i think people make their purchase decisions based on that more and more these days oh yeah
0: certainly no i mean i don't think there's any doubt about that we've had the uh you know we've we've god i think it must have been last year when we had this kind of a discussion internally at the, the drum network about whether that was going to be the case and just everybody was in complete agreement that that was going to be, you know, what was going to be coming to the forefront. Younger audiences in particular, tend to wear their heart on the sleeve and their purchasing power on their sleeve. And, and uh, Peter, I know that you, foolproof really values having that that connection with customers. So from your perspective, in terms of digital products and everything, how does that track with with actually, you know, addressing those kind of those cultural flashpoints and everything?
1: Yeah, I think there's been a couple of things this this year that i think speak to that so so it it, again perhaps an unintended consequence you know banks we work with a number of banks and banks have been trying for years to get that kind of stubborn last you know kind of digital rejectors to make Mm. this change from you know bank-based you know branch-based banking into current current account banking with the 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 lockdown and pandemic and, and, and also this kind of perhaps fear of handling cash and you know could you you know pick up the virus from you know handling loose change etc um has has done more than anything to drive people into the digital environment but there's a whole there's a whole raft of people who've not done that before Mm. it's too simplistic to say it's a certain certain age group it's just people who have not had the need to do that now they do have different needs yeah they have a different level of understanding about kind of digital they have different um kind of norms i think companies have had to check themselves and make sure that their design is being inclusive of what is quite a large group of people who are perhaps doing things for the first time um, and that that's been you know quite interesting and and, and i think quite reassuring to see that you know, banks have been taking that that seriously so you know understanding that perhaps your the products that you're designing have to be right for a, a, a wider more diverse set of people than you perhaps you know initially think or you know if you're a group of 25 year old product you know managers in a in a big corporate you, you, you've got to think that there is you know people who don't think like you out there who are going to be using your product
0: yeah certainly i know you did some work for a uh, lloyd's banking group about mortgages as well and i mean i'm me and my girlfriend are trying to apply for a mortgage at the moment and I just I'm 32 and I still feel like a fraud
2: every time I try and do it like particularly when I'm doing it
0: online so that it's I think you're completely right that it's not just limited to one age group. But no. That does that flows quite nicely onto this next discussion we've spoken about cultural trends and you touched briefly there upon kind of this this drive to get people who weren't necessarily used to not doing things face to face to to get them used to doing things you know whether that's through uh telephones even, or, or video work. Yeah. So do we think that those trends are now set in stone, that people are more habituated now to doing things remotely? And is that something that we want to see continue and even accelerate into 2021?
1: I I think so, yeah. I, Andrew actually mentioned something earlier in the conversation about um, doctor surgeries. So I did something to my eye during um, the first lockdown, mm. and I kind of knew I probably needed doctor treatment you know what well, not hospital treatment and i thought oh, that's going to be you know it's bad enough at normal times trying to get <laughs> an appointment you know what, what on earth is it going to be like and, and if, of course because of covid what they they changed their system and and actually i had to i, I rang up they said right send here's an here's an email address send us a photograph of your eye a doctor will look at it in five minutes and he'll ring you back to tell you what to do with it and that was a brilliant experience yeah. compared to normal you know kind of you know, that would have been two week wait for an appointment and a 10 minute appointment that i probably didn't you know need just someone sicker than me could have used it this was a you know doctor looked at it for two minutes but yeah you need some antibiotics so that if they have to that needs to be incorporated into the business as usual from now on ever you know mm. it's such a better experience but i'm sure it's a better experience for the doctor as well as for the patient so
0: Yeah, certainly. And Andrew, then I know that we've actually seen quite a resurgence in, well, not resurgence, people, you know, forms of media like podcasts were forecast to be hit so hard by lockdown and kind of this, this lack of a commuting audience. And I don't know whether that kind of ports into, you know, app use in general on mobile. I, I suspect it doesn't because podcasting showed itself to be a lot more resilient. We're doing a piece on um, gaming and mobile gaming sort of exploded this year. So what tech trends in particular have you seen over the course of this year that have either taken you by surprise or that you you hope accelerate into the new year?
2: Yeah, I don't know if there's anything that's, that's, that's shocking me per se. I think we're seeing evolution mm. uh, more than dramatic changes. As our behavioral changes, our, our tech solutions sort of adapt to to fit. I think what is um, surprising me on the front is how we respond to that. Um, and I'll go back to what we were talking about in terms of user research. Mm. Um, we've been we've had a big fixation in this industry around the idea of user personas for a long time. About yeah. How do you yeah. build a dra- demographic or sampled demographic to understand what your customer is through these segmented user personas, which describe um, the best way to reach out to your customers? And I actually think um, we're moving a little bit away from that towards more flexible behavioural models where you understand that actually um, you might be uh, someone who's looking to buy a house one day but actually someone who's juggling small children another day or somebody who's actually um, trading stocks one day and you could be that same person just wearing different hats so your behavioural change throughout the day as you move into different modes isn't necessarily easy to pigeonhole as as a persona So I think what has surprised me is is this evolution to actually use data to its fullest um, uh, potential. And actually with the the scope of the technology we've got now through um, visualization solutions to be able to take um, data and actually map out very wide descriptions of our custom bases which understand that individual behavioral pattern, even if the person might be a different person or it might be the same person that's moving through a different journey. Mm. That I find very interesting and that for me is really showing the power of digital technology and what we can do to really understand the decisions going on without necessarily trying to force people into convenient boxes. See, I think that's absolutely fascinating. And it's, it's almost a refutation of this idea
0: that you had to be, like you said, you had to force people into boxes to, to do things successfully. Is that, do you think, an industry-wide recognition now, or will we still see some holdouts in 2021 about, you know, having to force people into kind of these very narrow strictures of who they are and sort of what their
2: behaviours are? I think it's just starting. I don't think we're seeing. I think there's still people using sort of old techniques. I mean, these, some of this stuff we've been doing for twenty odd years yeah, and, and yeah. taking these approaches to things. So it's a hard shift uh, mentally to move out of let's tried and tested practice. That's how we design. So I think as technology becomes more accessible, becomes less of a, a thing that a, a data scientist sits on and produces a report and you then consume the report as it becomes more accessible to designers and you get more data-driven designers uh, uh, who are able to draw their own infer- inferences from the information at hand, I think that's when you'll start to see real change. I think we're just starting to see the tipping point now where people can see actually the potential of this, but working out how to put it into practice, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing develop in 2021.
0: Fantastic. Well, so we, we're we now over half an hour recording. I have another guest to record for this uh, episode later in the... Well, tomorrow, actually. Um, and we don't want it to run particularly over 45 minutes. So I'm going to try and keep as much of this in as I possibly can. Before I go on to the final question, which is just a very you know, generic one about whether you're optimistic or not, is there anything else that you feel like we we definitely need to mention? No, no,
1: no, no not particularly.
0: Okay, good. Well, yeah, we, I mean, we rattled through the questions and we sort yeah. of went, I think we... Went off on a couple of really interesting tangents there. So, in which case, I'm going to ask the final question to both of you, and then I'll uh, I'll edit the episode together afterwards. Perfect. And so, just as a final question, because I know that everybody who's listening is going to be, I suppose, trying to make up their own minds about whether you're optimistic about 2021 or not, based on what you've said. So, Peter, to begin with you. I wondered if you could maybe. Just, just explain whether you're optimistic. I mean, I was, you know, what I was going to say that whether 2021 is going to be better than 2020. God, I hope so. But whether you you're more optimistic about where the marketing industry is, and sort of where you know how we communicate with audiences, if you're more optimistic about it now than you were at the start of last year, before we even knew that the pandemic was was uh, a thing.
1: Yes, uh, th- thank you for the kind of. <laughs>
0: Putting the scope to
1: that as, as from a business perspective, yeah, I, I hope it'll be a much better year from a personal perspective <laughs> and we'll be allowed to go out and do things and travel. I, th- I am optimistic about business, uh, partly for the reason I mentioned earlier around the um, fact that this this seems to be, for me, 2020 triggered uh, a, a, a real kind of uh, a rebound in innovation and product and service design thinking there's some of the challenges of 2020 have really caused people to think about new ways to do things and and i think that kind of spirit of innovation will continue into 2021 and we're certainly seeing from a client point of view there's a lot of there's a lot of interest to you know kind of evolve and and make the most of the opportunities that they see um this is kind of brought in and some of those behavioral changes as you say some of the focus on human experience and this importance of really being empathetic to the needs of people and the people that we design for um, I, I again i think that's a really positive thing and so i i, I look forward to seeing some of the projects that we're you know, going to get in 2021 that, that embrace both of those things
0: Nice. Fantastic. And Andrew, then, are you confident that we're heading in the right direction? We may go down a few wrong paths, but by and large, we are heading towards a more representative, almost better marketing industry in terms of serving the consumer.
2: Do you know what? I think these are really exciting times. Um, obviously, there's a, there's been a lot of negative stuff to deal with in 2020, but what it has done is accelerate the digital transformation of our of our culture. Mm. And I think what comes with that is that you get uh, really an impetus for bigger brands out there uh, to make sure that they don't rest on their laurels. There's a lot of challenger brands out there, smaller um, entities who are offering similar things or or, or products in the similar space, which are able to do so because of the advent of technology, because of the, the growth and because of the reach that's possible with digital and the acceptance of the community that that is the right medium because that's what we're uh, forced to do at the moment and i think that will continue so certainly i see uh in our own uh, position as at innovation we're um able to offer leaner solutions which i think have a have a bigger appetite or, or the, the the customers that we see have a bigger appetite to this to try things get things out faster the time for these big bloated projects which take forever to deliver i think that's gone because there's so much choice there that are people looking for shorter punchier solutions so if you can come along and really challenge what's been the status quo and use results to drive your success i think it's it's a really exciting playing field to engage with and i think we're seeing that for us as an agency or a consultancy and we're seeing our brands see the same thing with the consumer so that challenge i think really lifts sort of the human spirit to to rise the occasion and address those challenges because we love problem solving in every field
0: it's fantastic well you heard that listeners mm-hmm. andrew's challenged you to, uh, to be better this time next year than you are this year. So fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for appearing on Drum Network Podcast. It's been a pleasure and hopefully all the listeners will take away some of that optimism as well.